Open source and open innovation. What's the difference and what makes it move? This episode features August, cloud, IoT, and data center technology sales specialist at Ubuntu to talk about what open source innovation is and how companies can best use it to their advantage with Asip Khan, Director of Innovation and Technology at Tixel. Hey August, thanks for taking our time to speak with us today. Hi, hello. Uh, absolutely lovely to be here. <laughs> so before we dive into the topic and the details um, of open source innovation and how to go about it, would it be it would be great if you can give a quick introduction about yourself, Canonical, and what you do there, what's your role, what initiatives are you involved in, and I mean a general summary. Sure. So, so as you mentioned, my name is August. Um, I work as a cloud and data center technology uh, sales specialist at Canonical, which is the company behind Ubuntu. So you can kind of think of it as the Microsoft Windows relationship. So the Microsoft is behind Windows the same way as Canonical is behind Ubuntu. And, uh, and so Ubuntu is the third most used operating system right now out there in the world, right after Windows and Mac OS. And it is the most popular Linux operating system. Right. And then Canonical, as a company, work with deployment, uh, support, and management of OpenStack open private clouds and Kubernetes. Um, so we were actually one of the development partners together uh, with Google to develop Kubernetes. Right. And we also support companies in managing their data centers, um, taking IoT and edge projects to production and many other things. But I'm sure we will discuss it all. <laughs> sure, sure. So Ubuntu, I believe when I started with Ubuntu, it was called Linux for human beings. That was the slogan back in the day. I, I'm not sure if that is still the case, but I mean, I was one of the, I mean, early adapters of there as well. And I figured that among all the other, uh, I mean, uh, desktop based platforms that was Genome, one was like KDE, Ubuntu was sort of like more familiar and more human as per, as per se. And besides Ubuntu, we actually use, I mean, Ubuntu in a lot of day-to-day tasks as well as deployments that we do at Excel. So, I mean, in a nutshell, if you talk about uh, what, in your opinion, is open source innovation? So we know that, I mean, it is like innovating something, but what exactly, how would you frame it? Right. So open source usually refers to that kind of software that uses an open development process Mm -hmm. and has the original source code, which is made absolutely freely available um, and can be distributed and modified um, according to anyone using it. And so just like you uh, mentioned before this Ubuntu slogan, Ubuntu is actually a South African word Um, It comes from South Africa, and so that's exactly what it means, right? So, like, by humans to other humans. Um, So, it has that whole notion of it's open source. So, an example of an open source would be, you know, any kind of Linux operating systems out there, um, which are open source, just like Ubuntu is. 
and anyone can download it and use it for free um, as well as modify it and contribute to it. So at the moment, there are almost 500 different Linux distributions um, in an active development. Um, however, Ubuntu has the, the biggest and the strongest community um, of users around it, um, as well as enterprise support. So you know, I meet a lot of Ubuntu users and, and even fans who have used Ubuntu since years ago and, yeah. and really, really like it and support the, that idea of open sharing. And, you know, just to give you some other examples of open source innovations, that could be projects like, like OpenStack, Brunetti's, TensorFlow, Ceph, Kafka, Grafana. Um, these are just some very widely used open source innovations and, and applications. Right. That's, I mean, that's a wonderful sort of, an, uh, sort of summary. But, uh, I mean, these days, what we have, like, learned with the environment around us is that a lot of organizations are basically embracing or, uh, I mean, deploying open source technology at a very rapid pace. So, I mean, back in the day, people were sort of more bound or more comfortable with closed source systems. But now, as we are seeing uh, in the enterprises, startups everywhere, the adaptation of open source technologies uh, getting, I mean, uh, very fast. I mean, they are adapted on a very fast pace. So what do you think is the prime reason behind it? Uh, that's a very good question. Yeah, definitely companies are deploying these innovations at a rapid pace. And to put it in a very simple way, it's because it gives them the flexibility, reliability, and security without compromising on the cost. Mm -hmm. okay, so okay. I would say at the moment, there are two types of companies these days out there. At least that's what I kind of feel from my experience. The ones that actually embrace uh, open source and understands uh, the whole full benefits and value of it. And the ones, and this is a very minority of companies, who still look at it um, a little bit skeptically, as in, um, you know, it's more for like desktops and more for development. But the fact is that these days, open source and Linux is completely, completely enterprise ready. Right. So going open source, people say that it, it was inevitable. I mean, one would actually have to open source. And without naming any companies, what we have seen in the past that people who were sort of writing open letters to the open source community, ultimately the organizations basically opened up their stacks and shared the source code with the world to have it and then build it and deploy it on whatever architecture or hardware they like. So why do you think it became inevitable? Why they had to do that? Um, I guess for the same reasons, uh, because of the benefits that it brought. Um, I believe that it was like absolutely inevitable uh, because, you know, developers needed that space and these tools to create freely because mm -hmm. the technology was developing and evolving and progressing so fast that I think it could not have been built on only proprietary softwares. 
So actually, in back in 2001, this former Microsoft CEO, Steve Ballmer, uh, yeah. famously called Linux um, a cancer that attaches itself in an intellectual property sense to everything it touches. Yeah. And I can say with confidence that Microsoft has a very different attitude to open source today, right? So, so I, I believe I believe the famous logo Microsoft loved Linux that was I mean that broke the ice everywhere. <laughs> That's so, very true. Yeah, and the, yeah. in these days we have a very very close and very strong relationship with Microsoft um, because you know around seventy five percent of all Linux instances in Microsoft Azure cloud actually runs on Ubuntu. So yeah. we have very um, good close relationship on that. Yeah, yeah, you bet. So um, also, if we if we talk about emerging technology, especially in the five G space, so uh, do you think? I mean, using open source will enable companies to have this particular thing adapted at a frequent pace, or how would you re how would it reshape uh, the telecom industry overall in your opinion? Uh, the telecom industry is a very interesting use case. Um, I would say it already has reshaped telco industry in a major way. Um, telcos are using open source uh, cloud technologies to virtualize their networks. Right. right? So historically, telco networks have been very uh, expensive and hardware-based. Mm -hmm. Now, all of their functions have been brought to the cloud. And but, cloud but, telcos brought this fundamental evolution in the way that networks are built and then run and managed. Mm -hmm. So this, um, now this, the, the virtualized infrastructure uh, gave the foundation for a technology like 5G, for example. Right. So I, I believe we uh, took up quite a lot of uh, bigger names in the discussion that we just had. Uh, it was mentioned of uh, Mac OS, Apple, then Windows, Microsoft, Canonical itself. Then we can talk about like others uh, like Red Hat, SUSE, Fedora, IBM, Oracle. Yeah. All of these have like like something related to open source or Linux in their stack somehow in the overall offering, right? So do you think that it's easier for larger corporations to spend more, I mean, of their budget into open source innovations as compared to smaller startups? Because what we have learned from the past is that uh, frameworks like Django, Python, Python Django, basically came out of uh, another implementation that was called every block. So Django is a spin-off of every block, you can say, and every block was a startup company, so they basically took that initiative and deployed that. So in your opinion, does it matter that smaller startups probably are shy in uh, deploying their resources on open source innovation or corporates, I mean, do that more or they do less or vice versa? How have you seen it happening and what's your take on that? You know, I would say that it's sometimes even easier for small, for small companies to go open source way. Um, look, every company was once small with not that much resources. 
Right. And as I, you know, as I mentioned, open source and, uh, you know, Ubuntu, for example, is all about giving that ability for any developer, any developer, any startup, any small enterprise um, to create something, to make their idea reality. Um, so, you know, and they do that using the same OS as some of the biggest banks in the world that, you know, for example, Canonical works with. So that's where I think it's that kind of uh, magic of open source. Like, for example, I'm, I want to guess that, you know, in the past couple of weeks, all of us have probably used, for example, Uber, for mm -hmm. example, Netflix, or Instagram. Right. All of these started on Ubuntu. Right. And so none of those would, you know, might not be possible today if not that technology um, and open source, uh, open source infrastructure that allowed them to develop these things that now pretty much changes our lives, right? So I would say that those, you know, those developers um, that actually really love Ubuntu and they learn how to program and work on these, opera on these operating systems, um, they go on and they start startups on the very same open source infrastructures. Yep. However, the situation might be a little bit different for someone like, you know, biggest telcos um, that we work with uh, these days, like uh, BT or AT&T, Deutsche Telekom, Tele2. Uh, we work with all of those telcos with, you know, enabling their 5G and creating this uh, space for, for, for innovation. So right. I think it, it really depends with open source which stage um, of a development and kind of uh, evolving within your IT infrastructure, your company is, um, it depends if it's harder for you or if it's just a very natural decision to go with open source. Right, right, right. So, and also, I mean, in these days when sort of people, instead of like large I mean, structures, large hierarchies within organizations, people are sort of mostly operating in flat teams. Organizations are inculcating like flat structure in, in their, I mean, uh, overall mix as compared to building like top uh, hills like this. So uh, in your opinion, uh, how leaders and managers can sort of, uh, I mean, uh, formulate this culture within their teams for open source innovation, especially I mean, uh, we in the in the company, we always say that, I mean, seeing good code, how people have uh, actually developed it is is a like a blessing and a, it, it offers a very good learning because you see how others are structuring their code. And that code is also seen by a lot of other smart people who, who have actually pinpointed smaller things here and there because, I mean, devil is in the detail, as we say. So, I mean, they depict things and then they comment on that and then there's a whole life cycle in which the code gets included. And then in the end, we say that none of us is as smart as all of us, right? So, so I'm, I mean, um, how leaders or managers can actually incorporate such culture of open source innovation within their teams if they are working on an open source stack? Um, I think it's all about, just like, I guess with anything, 
it's about the continuous learning, improvement, and raising your awareness of technologies and opportunities out there, right? So technology in general is changing so fast. And it's the same with open source innovations. Now, there's, there has to be this balance in every company between, you know, constantly innovating on your IT infrastructure, which is important, but then you also need to have a major focus on, you know, actually developing the, the business applications, actually cre- creating, um, cr- you know, focusing on what really matters to the business. So right. this, is, this is one of the things that um, our CDO, uh, Mark Shuttleworth, always kind of emphasized, you know, when it comes to IT infrastructure, everyone wants that infrastructure just to work. And you want to kind of forget about it. You just want it to work, to be there, to be reliable, to be secure. And, um, and so that is where still to this day, a lot of companies um, kind of battle uh, because it does take a lot of time to look after your IT infrastructure and to keep up with all the new technologies that are coming in, like private clouds and, and, and then multi-cloud strategies. And then you also have something on premise. And how do you make all of that work together? So, you know, even at Canonical, we are always developing tools for developers to always experiment with these technologies. Because in the company, if developers or DevOps itself, they start to, you know, they're getting their hands on technology. They start to get to know it. They start to feel more comfortable. They feel which technologies would be a game changer, which technologies would be a really, really good idea to bring into the company. And um, so I think, I think when it comes to like managers and, uh, and leaders of these companies, um, I think it's giving their teams that freedom to, to explore and experiment. That's what, that, that's what IT is in a lot of cases about. Like, it's exciting. There's so, much new, so many new things that you could discover. So um, I think if you do that, then you could easily find that, you know, with these new open source technologies, you could be more efficient and your workloads could be way easier managed and, and secure. Right. So from a business or a management perspective, if, if for example, one of our listeners is, is a CEO or a head of a business unit and their business is like doing really, really well, then many times people are sort of resistant to change. They don't want to sort of participate or innovate because everything is going fine. So what are some of the arguments that you would make um, to convince uh, such people to employ some of their resources into this open source innovation and be a part of the community and the team? Hmm. Uh, good question. That's something that definitely a, um, a question that I get for sure. Um, and it's great if you feel like you have everything in control and that your IT infrastructure and the strategy you have right now is working for you. However, you have to look ahead. 
-hmm. you have to look five years, 10 years from now, what is going to be relevant? What is going to be dominating, um, you know, IT infrastructures of the most successful enterprises? So mm -hmm. it's something really, really important to, to have that open mind um, and to, to experiment and to try to deploy and just be open for the benefits that open source innovation could bring you. So I would simply say, you know, if someone is kind of closed in the way that they are doing things right now, um, it's very likely that they are going to simply stay behind. Yeah. So they will basically not be upgrading themselves and catching up with the world uh, of technology, right? Exactly. So it might be working now, but not necessarily in the long term. Right, right, right. So um, we have also seen and have uh, read and heard a lot about the role of Ubuntu on edge computing and IoT in general. Like, for example, uh, people are, in what I have seen, is deploying a lot of Ubuntu-based, uh, I mean, distros or other things on their Raspberry Pis or, I mean, smaller uh, hardware, I mean, self-contained computers and whatnot. So, I mean... How do you see that reshaping the overall edge and IT industry and what's the role of Ubuntu and Canonical in there? Yeah, we, we work quite, quite a lot with these projects. Um, and Ubuntu and Canonical, I think, brings most value when you are having thousands of devices that you need to scale and manage and patch and upgrade um, over the air, right? Mm -hmm. So we have, we have something uh, called Ubuntu Core, which is an Ubuntu distribution, a version of Ubuntu dedicated for IoT and the edge. Okay. And so because of, uh, because of his uh, like modular architecture and this technology called Snaps, um, it is very, very lightweight, extremely secure, and transactional. So you can easily update, upgrade, roll out, upgrade patches, roll back if you need to. And uh, we've seen a, a lot of projects over, um, over a number of verticals and industries. So robotics have definitely been uh, a big one these days some of the biggest drone companies in the world are based on ubuntu like dji or parrot um so drones is definitely a big one um automotive like self-driving mm -hmm. cars technologies and any kind of industrial gateways uh, we work on many edge projects with uh telcos as well um, it's been an important part. Um, digital signage uh, is one of those as well. Right. So, right, right. so IoT is definitely getting really, really lively uh, through all kind of industries. And these just a couple of mentions. Of course, there's um, there, there's more verticals, um, but it's extremely exciting technologies uh, because so 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 many devices are going into production every single year. Right. So um, I mean. These days, when we talk about data, the most, uh, I mean, important or the most critical or the first thing that came to mind is security. 
data privacy, security, GDPR, I mean, all, all these sort of uh, privacy policies, use of cookies and whatnot. All of these basically things pop up into the mind at a first step. So, I mean, Linux in general, do you think is like, uh, and I mean, especially for Ubuntu, do you think that it's secure enough uh, uh, to actually run Linux on the edge? Is it like, okay, is it secure? Can users be, um, I mean, feeling uh, the, f the freedom in their mind and be sure that they are secure, their data is secure, there are no breaches and things like that? Yeah. You know what? Ubuntu Core is probably the safest choice uh, that you could make. And it's mostly because of the SNAPS technology um, that I told about. Um, it just packages your applications um, in a way that is extremely secure. It's an only read file. So no one external, even if device is at the edge, even if OS is running at the edge, no one can actually access it or, um, or edit it in any kind of way. So right. it's actually one of the most secure ways uh, to run at the edge. And generally, not even Ubuntu core, Ubuntu has been recognized as the most secure operating system out there. Right. Uh, because of the tooling I use for, for patching and approving it. So it's just one of, the, it's just one of those big misconceptions that some enterprises have on, uh, on kind of security aspects of Linux and open source. But right. even like all these certifications, that is something that we can provide. And that is why we work with a lot of banks and telcos and governmental institutions because security and compliance is extremely important for them. And the big message is that Ubuntu and Ubuntu Core is enterprise ready and can completely fully bring that security and compliance. Right, right, right. So because I was just asking because the, the, the many people have a misconception that I mean anything of which you can get access to the source code, I mean really you can do anything with that. So that actually gives the impression, but yeah, I, I believe it's, it's great that you have clarified it somehow. So, um, so we discussed some technology stacks like Kubernetes, like OpenStack, uh, Ubuntu Core for IoT. So do you think uh, or do you see enterprises adapting these technologies more in the future in, to maintain and run their IT infrastructure? What's, what's your take on that? Um, question, answer would be yes. I, even like these days, I notice a lot of enterprises and a lot of companies that uh, want to implement these technologies, but not necessarily have resources or not necessarily have the knowledge um, or time to, to implement these technologies. And that's, that's something that we work with as well with uh, Canonical. We do all kind of a support and, and manage services uh, for companies just that wants to kind of right, the benefits of those technologies, but uh, don't ne necessarily want to manage those themselves. Um, so I see a lot of uh, demand for these technologies. And I think companies are starting to more and more see that these technologies that are coming, like OpenStack and Kubernetes, the ones that are already there, um, now those are inevitable. 
And those will, you know, take over their data centers. And um, a lot of people are still using, you know, public clouds like Google, Azure, AWS. And in many, many cases, they are using Ubuntu on those public clouds because really? that is an OS that they're really, really uh, comfortable and familiar uh, with. And then they can run Canonical Strong Kubernetes on top of that. So there are a lot of very different ways on how to use these technologies. So, right. you know, these days we have a lot of conversations about the effectiveness of multi-clouds and hybrid clouds and how to make that work for you. So I think that those techno the technologies are kind of, in a sense, getting more and more complex. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, I believe that there will be more and more technologies that helps with that complexity and makes it simple. Yep, yep, that's, that's helpful. So uh, with this, I will wrap up the session for today, August. It was very nice having you here and um, thanks for providing us with some insights in the open source innovation and open source Ubuntu canonical in general. So I look forward to host you again on Better Tech with another podcast on some different topic. Until then, I would like to thank you for your time and the opportunity to speak with you. Thanks for having me. It was really Thanks. lovely. Always nice to share these technologies. Thanks for listening to a deep dive into open source innovation podcast by BetterTech. We look forward to bringing you the latest industry news in the next episode. In the meantime, check out our other episodes at www.techcell.com slash podcast and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you never miss an episode.